Welcome to the Rookie American, Rookie American Podcast. I still cannot say that for the life of me. I should just say Rookie American. Just w- welcome to the Rookie American Podcast. It actually makes sense. <laughs> I am a girl, Lisette Carter. Thank you guys for tuning in. Today we have Gregory Sandoval as a special guest with me. Welcome, Greg. Hey, thank you for having me. All right, so let me tell you my first impression of Greg. So about four years ago, I think this is when we met. We may have met before, but I don't remember. Um, Four years ago, my husband and I went to a cookout somewhere in the sticks in Central Mass. It was um, like a celebratory kind of thing. It was for a real estate company. And every single, first of all, the place that we went to, we were like, why are these houses like mansions? We live in, my husband and I, we, we have investment properties. We do pretty well, but we, we live in a, we're, we're getting there. We're slowly getting there. But at the time we weren't, we were just starting. And so I remember seeing all these houses in this neighborhood and I was like, why does each house get bigger than the other one? Where are we going? And we get to the, to park, we park on the street and it was like every car in there was like a super nice car. And I was like, where are we in the right place? I had no idea where we were. And so we walk in and all we see are minorities. And that that was odd to us because usually when we're in circles of people that have any of wealth or success, the majority of them are white. And not, that's not to say that I didn't believe that Hispanics or minorities weren't successful because we studied under them, we sought them out, but we just didn't know they were in our own backyard. And so we, I saw Maserati there. I said, whose Maserati is that? <laughs> and someone, someone was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's Greg's Maserati. And I was like, what? What do you mean? He's, but he's, he's a Hispanic, right? And they were like, yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is insane. And it, was, it completely blew my mind that every, there were, every single minority that was there, it may have seemed like at my perception was that they were extremely successful. The second mind-blowing thing was that they thought the same, they had the same thought process that we had when it came to um, success principles, uh, biblical principles, and also politics. And that was another thing that was really odd to me. I thought I was the only one. And so enter Greg. Greg comes in with his suit. I think he was wearing a white shirt that day and a blue blazer. And I was like, I don't understand. I don't understand. Where have these people been? Where have they been? <laughs> so Greg, tell us, tell the people, tell, tell us your story, your background, where you're from, what you do. Absolutely. Um, So you are 100% correct. Um, That is exactly um, where we went. We went, um, we went, that was the first time ever that I had actually uh, been invited um, to such an event. It was just like a small networking celebratory uh, Mm -hmm. type of environment. And and similar to you, we went there and, and, and we're like, whoa, okay. So this guy owns a construction company. Person's a real estate agent. This person's a financial advisor. Um, I personally, um, I work for Liberty Mutual Insurance. I sell insurance, and but the conversation never really came about what we did. It was just more of a conversation and operating within the same almost wavelength, if that makes any sense, about how we see things, 
how we saw things there, how we see things going, our belief system, just like you said. And the conversations just kept on going. Um, obviously, the, the, the Maserati, um, which I don't longer have, um, became a lot of the times the center of the conversation with a lot of the places that I went to, uh, which at times I was like, okay, this is good. It generates conversations and it allows me to introduce myself a bit easier. Um, but ultimately, I have a lot of pride in where I'm from, how I was raised. I carry more pride about you know, going to Dollarsworth back in 1997 at South Quincy in, in Worcester there after the bridge and buying clothing at like $2 per pound. You know what I mean? So like for me, owning this car was great because it allowed me to easy and have an easy conversation with people as far as insurance or as far as what I did. But ultimately, um, I've always welcomed the idea of just sharing my story, um, allowing people in and allowing myself um empowering myself to also be a part of their life so but yes that's exactly how we met um and i remember there's plenty of entrepreneurs um, there and for me it was very refreshing because of what you said in the introduction um it's not something that you normally see it is not something that you you envision for yourself as a visionary and as somebody that comes from out of the country you're like this is where i want to be at but you don't necessarily stop and think that there are others just the same way as you are from a mindset standpoint. So that was very refreshing. It was very encouraging um, because we all need that. Um, and, and that's a big piece of community that we all need and, and that most recently has been threatened. Um, so, I, I mean, it, it was a blessing then um, and it's still a blessing now. So, yeah. It was great. Where are you from? I'm from the Dominican Republic. Mm -hmm. um was born in 1984 got here when i was 11 years old um i think i got the best of both worlds um my mom came here when i was five i stayed with my grandparents spoiled by my grandfather um completely spoiled um but i think he spanked me twice as far as i can remember and they're both very, very memorable um he was the patriarch family um he was not necessarily a man of faith, but he was your old style provider, producer. I will take care of my family, my extended family, and whoever walks by. Um, so I got to see that very up close, um, which shaped my way of thinking when I got here. Um, when I got here, I immediately got to observe, okay, what's going on? How do people like me look like? What are they doing? Um, what are they up to? Um, and I, you know, I immediately saw the grocery stores, a lot of small investments and small businesses. And I'm like, okay, so you automatically fall into these pockets. Um, and I've been blessed to have a mom that, that always prays for me and always encourages me to keep my head up. So I've been, I was a dreamer right when I got here, like a dreamer from the get go, like, okay, this is where I want to be at 24. This is what I want to be when I'm 30. Um, until this day, I remember those conversations um, with my family and my mom, mainly. So did you go to school in Worcester? Did you go to public school, private? What'd that look like? Uh, public school, oh no, definitely not private. I, I, I got here to Worcester, lived on 3 West Street, right off of Pleasant, a couple of blocks away from the Newberry, the Piedmont, you name it. Uh, that's where I was, went to Chandler Magnet School right across from Worcester State. Um, in the fifth grade and sixth grade, um, did not speak any English whatsoever. 
Um, and then I transferred, not transferred, in the eighth grade, I ended up going to Forest Grove. And from Forest Grove, I ended up going to Doherty High. Um, and ever since, I mean, I came across a lot of people that are still a blessing in my life today. Did you go from high school right into insurance? Tell me that picture. I did not. So right after high school, um, I was an okay student. Um, I did have some honors, uh, honor courses. And I went to Pittsburgh State University at the time, Pittsburgh State College for architecture. Um, about a year into it, um, I could not afford it. Uh, financial aid was not necessarily covering a whole lot. So I started going to Pittsburgh State and working at Circuit City um, in Lemonster. And as I did that, I discovered that, you know what, this architecture thing ain't for me. It's more, uh, I belong more in the business side of things. So I decided to drop Fitchburg State, went to Worcester State for a couple of business courses. Um, a couple of professors that had a great influence on me, Professor Love and Professor Morielli. Um, by the way, I do have a crazy memory. I remember everything. Uh, so bear with me here. And, and I just dove right into business. And I was like, okay, this is for me. Um, started working at Commerce Bank as a teller. And as I was doing that, I was still working at Circuit City full-time and Commerce Bank full-time while going to school part-time. And from there, then I dropped Circuit City because I was falling behind in school, fell behind in school to the point in which I was like, okay, got to do a little faster. So I enrolled into University of Phoenix online while enrolling in at Quinn Sigamon part-time because all my friends now are graduating out of college. I'm like two years in given how everything transpired. So I was like, I want to finish close to them. So I went to Phoenix as well as Quinsig at the same time to obtain my bachelor's. And from there, I kept going into LaSalle College to obtain my master's degree. And right as I was finishing my master's degree, it was when I um, applied for, uh, for Liberty Mutual. And here we are. So you went to two different my, schools to finish yeah. earlier? I didn't know you could do that. Yes. <laughs> um, I did it. I still don't know if it could be done. Um, so, so that's what I was doing. I was like, I, I'll tell you what, I think back and I'm just like, where did I find the time um, to work full time and go to two schools at the same time? But it happened. Yeah. Um, I did it. Um, I look back now and I smile and, and yeah, <laughs> that's what we did. So now you're, you've been with Liberty Mutual for a while, correct? I've been with Liberty for eight years, um, yes. Um, and it hasn't always been easy. Um, I, I, I think, you know, the first two years, it was just like, okay, is this for me, not for me? Um, there were a couple of colleagues of mine that always told me, keep your head up because you're really smart, you're really motivated, keep your head up and do it. And for the first four, three and a half years, I would say, things were moving as I expected them to move. And on November 28th, um, November 28th, uh, where you, 2017, 2016, sorry, November 28th, 2016, I was actually at one of the local dealerships here in Worcester, and I left to bring paperwork to another dealership, and someone ran a stop sign and slammed into my brand new Lexus, um, right at the cusp of the end of that year, and I stayed in the car, this was around three o'clock in the afternoon, Every airbag went off. I didn't want to move because I'm like, okay, something's broken. Every airbag, my legs were in pain. I don't want to move. 
uh, someone can knock on the window and say like, hey, you got to get out. The car's leaking a lot of oil or a lot of whatever fluids. I got out, nothing hurt. Um, a friend of mine was driving by. He had my car towed. I called Enterprise. And as an insurance guy, you know what to say in order to get a car right away. I got a rental within a half an hour. I went on to work at 11 o'clock that night, only to be diagnosed with a concussion three days later. But from that day forward, I've never looked back. And I said, this could have been my last day here. I got to make the most out of each day. And ever since that day, to your earlier story with regards to the Maserati, that's when I bought the Maserati after that happened to that vehicle. Um, and I've never looked back. I just put myself accountable as to the way that I wake up, the way that I do things on a daily basis. And, and I've been blessed. Um, I've been more than blessed. Cannot complain. I mean, and, and that's what that car represents. It represented a shift in my life, but I outgrew it uh, most certainly. Um, and so because that's what I look towards doing every day. And we are, I mean, we're living in a dream right now, just in a dream. So you're married and you have children now? Yes. Uh, I've been married for 14 years. Um, I have a six-year-old uh, boy, Lucas, and a 12-year-old daughter. Um, her name is Maya. And um, they are my biggest challenges. They are what drive me. They are what push me. Mm -hmm. um, once you identify certain things in your life, as far as like, you know, I, I, I live by these three four metrics, you know, faith, family, health, and work. And that's how I evaluate myself. And, and, and faith is always first because that's the only thing that remains when everything's gone. When everything's going right, it's still there. When everything's going wrong, it is still there. It is that. It's what keeps you going. Um, but my kids, I, I mean, I remembered, I'm very proud to say that I didn't turn the radio with my daughter in the car until she was in the third grade. From the time she was born up until the third grade, we never turned on the radio. It was all conversation. Yes, I was having a conversation with an infant, uh, but I wanted to promote that level of communication. Um, till this day, some of the guys at work make fun of me because I share some of the stories as to how that made me a better salesperson. And I tell them the better salespeople that I know are my two children. Um, and it's because they know how to get daddy to buy things. Um, and from there, those, are my, <laughs> those are my two mentors you could say they, they keep me on my toes and, and just be better <laughs> so now tell me how um were you ever a because i want to get into more of the conservative side of things because i know that you have somewhat of a conservative belief system um, now, did that was that something that you always had, or what, did you think a certain way before? How did that come about? So, I think it had always been there, and, and I think a lot of times through distractions, through environment, um, I think uh, as, as a Dominican male, you're, you're taught to produce, to provide, and take care of others around you. At least that's what I was taught. Um, but you're also taught you're a Democrat. I mean. There's no way you could be anything else. There's no way you could be a conservative because you're born into, and this is what the expectation is. Um, so for me, I've always been somewhat of a logical thinker. I didn't set out to say, you know, I'm a Republican. I didn't set out to be a Democrat. I set out to basically be the best son that my mother could have and the best father I could be. And then I said to myself, okay, these are my beliefs. I mean, the first time I attended a Christian church here in, in mass, 
was because my mother told me like, hey, um, you know, in order for us to go to places, we, we can't really afford to go to different towns. There's this small church on 93 Pleasant Street. We should visit. And and they go to Lawrence. They go to like all these Latino pockets within, you know, the surrounding towns and cities. And that's how we can get to know Massachusetts. And I'm like, okay, I'm all in. Um, the church services that I used to attend back then, three to four hours long, um, they weren't always enjoyable. So that exposed me to faith. Um, I was like, okay, this is my belief system now. And I've always had the drive and ambition to just be better. So I've always loved education. I've always loved just being able to provide, being able to set a standard for those behind me. Um, one of the biggest things that has helped me in my life beyond, and you're gonna hear me talk about my mother a lot because she's been the most influential human being in my life. Um, and it's because I've always said, okay, I gotta hold myself to a certain standard because of who is behind me, whether it's my cousin. You know, I, I remember being 17 and translating at UMass Memorial because at the time they didn't have a translator for my aunt. So yes, I was in her delivery room, literally walking her through pregnancy and seeing my baby cousin being born. So I took on the responsibility of what they were exposed to. Um, and slowly but surely, this is where I find myself. Um, and I think it speaks volumes as to who we truly are. Not that we're just born into a system, not that we choose a system, but we develop a set of standards that puts us within a system that we actually truly believe in. Uh, we're free thinkers. And, and I think that's my message. Um, I didn't set out to be who I am as far as my political affiliations or my faith. This is what I chose. It aligned with my, my mindset. And this is where I'm at. And I'm enjoying it. How do you interact or how do you um, take that same message and deliver it to the people that are around you that don't necessarily think the same way? Are there, is there an instance where you've ever felt like um, outnumbered um, in, oh, a, in a crowd? Yeah. All the time. Um, I am the contrarian. I am that guy that you say yes, and I am going to say no to make sure that your yes is truly a yes and that you can make my no into your yes or vice versa. Uh, I'm that guy because I want to learn. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm hungry for development. Uh, so I do it from a, a point of, of kindness. I, I do it with great intentions. It doesn't always translate into that. Um, usually outnumber at the family party. I'm outnumber. I'm at the, at, at work with at the cafeteria with, with your colleagues or at lunch, you're outnumbered. Um, but one of the things that has allowed me to be outspoken with regards to faith, with regards to even politics, has been the level of success that I've had in recent years. People say, whether they like it or not, they've been able to say like, okay, this guy might know what he's talking about because he's investing in the real estate. He's living the life he wants to live. He's happy. Oh, he's Hispanic. He, you know, because that sometimes is, I've had a Hispanic people talk to me as if I'm a Democrat without necessarily asking me what political affiliation I have. Because it's a given, right? If you're a minority, you're just expected to be. You're born into it. Um, now, the recent challenge has been this, right? So you're 
you're congratulated for being successful, for achieving the things that you have achieved. They're out in the open because achievements are the things that people mostly see. The hard work and the pain only you feel. Um, when it comes to politics, you immediately don't know what you're talking about. So the people that ask you for advice, they love you until they know your political affiliation, which is mind blowing to me. Um, so one of the things that I always encourage um, to the people that I mentor and people that I work with, I always say, think logically, develop a goal, develop some sort of belief system, develop these ideas that you yourself possess and then go with your own alignment. I don't work uh, towards convincing anybody. I just say, set your standards and then go with them. And if they give you a better outcome to that thing that you want to achieve, go right ahead. I challenge you to do it. And that's where we're at. Um, and I get a lot more responses from there. Um, having a conversation a couple of days ago with my 22 year old cousin and great kid and i remember about this actually this one actually hurt me about six seven years ago he looked at me at a family gathering and said you just don't know what you're talking about you've always lived a pretty good life i'm like really? i've gotten that one before <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so so then i'm like interesting um I've always lived a good life. And this was six, seven, this was, yeah, actually five, six years ago. And, and it wasn't a couple of nights ago, you know, he reached out to me, hey, like, I want to talk to you. And he told me, he's like, you know, I, I've been here in quarantine for the last four or five months. I've been doing a lot of reading, a lot of researching. Let's talk about the conversation that we had back then. Because now I'm more in alignment with what you were saying. And I'm like, oh, okay. And we had that conversation. And even up to that point, I didn't tell him, I'm like, hey, you know, sometimes you gotta go left in order to get right. But <laughs> I just basically told him, develop goals. Look at what your goals, look at where you wanna be, not five years from now, not 10 years from now. Look at where you wanna be within a week from today. Look at where you wanna be just even tomorrow morning, whether it's just trimming your beard, making your bed, or just, taking a nice cold shower and getting out there and doing it because what's happening is we're, we're, we're talking to our youth or a lot of even our, our family members. And we're saying, where do you see yourself in a year or two? No, we're no longer in that world. It's like literally, where do you see yourself next month? Where do you see yourself next week? There's too much information intake that if you wait a year or two, you're going to be drowning and heavily confused. So you got to start now. Um, and these are the conversations that I'm having with with my family, my friends, I mean, I'm proud to say that, yeah, a lot of my family is definitely not looking uh, at their um, quote-unquote vote the same way they've looked at it their entire life. Um, they're definitely that silent majority that people like to call or say sometimes. Um, they're yeah. definitely being more because it's no longer, they don't, they don't see it working. And they're seeing it working with my generation. Because they're saying, how come we're going to his house? He's, you know, and I normally don't like to get this shallow or superficial, but they're like, okay, he lives in the big house. He drives the cars. He's successful. He's doing this. We ought to start having more conversations. And, um, and that's something that, that's definitely helping um, 
I think the, the conversation has gone so extreme on one side that it's making people say, wait a minute, this is just going too far. Mm -hmm. And it's slowly bringing it back. I think that's, that's what's happening. Quarantine has been a big blessing. Challenging? Absolutely. At times maddening? Absolutely. Um, but it has certainly um, allowed for me to have conversation with my parents, with my brother, with my sister, with my extended family. Um, conversations that, let's face it, when you're, you're Hispanic, uh, a 10-person a gathering, this just doesn't exist. That's a normal gathering. So the gatherings are typically a lot larger than that. So the conversations are happening and they're taking place. And that's where we're at. Right. Yeah, it's interesting to see. Um, I mean, even if they are conversations that you have with people and they just say, you know, the sky is green and you're like, the sky is blue. Um, and they'll say, absolutely <laughs> not. It is most definitely green. And they'll they'll cuss you out in the in the middle of that statement without even, you know, it's, it's so weird. And I had this conversation yesterday with uh, she's a, a Republican candidate in Boston. Um, and she said that, like, mm -hmm. it's, it's difficult to, to uh, you know, a man, there's a saying that's called a man convinced against his will is still a man unconvinced. And so the conversations that we're seeing on the left or people that are more left leaning are more of like, well, this is how it is and that's it. And it's not even a conversation. It's just, that's it. If you don't believe it, you're going to be labeled a certain way. And it's, it, it's so, it blows my mind how far, like, do you, how, why would you talk to people that you love this way and believe in a news anger over your own, even taking into consideration your own questions that your own loved ones are asking. And so it's, it's definitely a, a war against flesh and blood because I mean, uh, in the spiritual realm, because there's no other way to explain that. There is no other way to explain it. There just isn't. I mean, you know, I, I try to bring the conversation down to a logical sense because logic, uh, you know, sometimes allows us to just have somewhat of a subtle conversation. Like, yeah. okay, like, like let's bring it back here a little bit. Like, you know, four years ago, I was not a racist. I right. say I support, I support Donald Trump. I'm a racist, but I'm still what? I'm still the kid that grew up in the Dominican Republic, got here when I was 11 years old, did not speak a word of English, went to Forest Grove, went to Doherty High, love serving. Like my number one mission is to always have an impact on others. I don't, I've never been in a position to willingly or forcefully think the way people are being made to think because there's a constant battle right now for our minds and that's mm -hmm. why I've always now been using like okay let's think neutral let's think logically and then go from there because there's a constant battle for your mind and right now we have the perfect scenario we have a lot of people at home we have a lot of people not necessarily busy because now when you remove work and you substitute it for essentially work, but at your own leisure, if you're not busy reading in your free time, if you're not occupying your mind, 
you're an easy target. And that's exactly what's happening. Like mm. you are being influenced. You're not an influencer. Um, and yes, there's people that consider themselves influencers because they'll post 10 posts a day. Uh, but the reality is you're a consumer, you're consumption, you're consumption level. Um, and I was speaking to a friend of mine uh, this past week, and, and, and this is a pacifier. The cell phone has become the grown-up pacifier. If I'm dealing with a problem, if I'm dealing with anxiety, if I'm dealing with an attack, I just go to Instagram, I'll go to Facebook, and I'll scroll because it takes me away from what I got to face at that particular time. So it's the pacifier. And then all of that adds up to where you become frustrated. Your intake has been totally useless information and now you got to place it somewhere. So you're usually placing it to those that are closer to you. Um, and, and that's what's happening now. Um, just a lot of minds, not necessarily um, looking for fertile ground, as you could say, or, or soil to be planted in, in order to develop and grow. Um, I mean, I, I made that decision. Um, this is kind of funny, but during that same time, um, when I had the accident, I remember going to the Boost Fitness in Worcester, and there was a guy there working on him. And I was actually listening to music, too. Um, he was definitely listening to music, but he was one of these guys jacked up, really good shape. And he was just moving his head. And we normally, you know, the gym look is the guy that's like the strongest and doing the thing, bouncing with that. We call them meatheads, right? Like they're like, the, 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 mm -hmm. they're like jacked. And I was like, wait a minute. That guy's in really good shape. He's committed to something. But what he's listening to makes him sound like a not so smart individual. That's perception. That's a stereotype. And then I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to stop listening to this, that what I'm listening to. And I'm going to start listening to audiobooks. I'm going to start listening to, remember, I started with Eric Thomas, Les Brown, mm -hmm. Mel Robbins, Tony Robbins. Um, uh, you, I, I mean, at this point, Brandon Bouchard, Tom, Tom Bailey, you name anybody out there that promotes motivation, positivity, self-development. And that's all I've done in the last four years. And I didn't believe in it at first. I literally said, I'm going to dive in and let me see if this is true. Well, I've never looked back. And all I do now is exactly that. Um, I am a firm believer that once you hold yourself accountable, once you develop your mind, your entire perspective changes and the loose threads around you, whether they were relationships, friendships, whatever they were, the ones that are not supposed to be there will automatically be gone because now you're graduating. Now you're stepping, you're moving ahead. You're moving ahead. And, and that's what has changed my life. Um, besides my mom always telling me, en lo poco fuiste fiel, en lo mucho te pondré, which literally translates to, with the little that you have, you were faithful. I will continue to bless you. Um, and and that that has changed my life dramatically because that, that's what I, that's what I, that's what I live for. Like all these little things that my mom tells me every morning when I go and grab coffee with her, which is the proudest part of the day. <laughs> I see this trend with um, a lot of some of the people that I'm interviewing um, where they've had a period in their life when they're still doing it, where they do dive into a lot of personal development 
Um, I know for me, I started when I was 21 and I'm still continuing to do it. And one of the things, most important things that I learned from that um, is that the, uh, the devil is looking for people to drift. He it's people that are drifting are easy targets. It's like they do it to themselves. He doesn't have to work hard at getting them to fall. And so with the video games, the phone, I mean, the phone obviously right now is number one, like you said, I, I mean, I wrote it down. Um, people that think they're influencers, even if they're posting 10 times a day, but if they're not educating themselves, they're being influenced. And so that is literally, that's what's happening. And you can, you can tell that when you're having a conversation with someone, it's very easy, it's very easily um, you can point it out very easily. And so um, that is, that is key. If, if, and we're still, I guess, technically under quarantine, but um, you know, we're not taking advantage of this time to identify that and say, you know, the devil wants you to drift. He doesn't want you to think specifically. He doesn't want you to think period um, about, you know, especially about the things that are going on right now. It is very, man, it's, so deep well it just goes back to that mind battle like where right. i was four years ago nowhere near where i am now and it's because you know and, and and not to say i've had a lot of painful times i've had a lot of failures i've had many challenges thrown at me but it's like okay where do i go right so earlier i mentioned that i look at it in four parts i look at faith i look at family I look at health and I look at work. So yeah, so sometimes early Sunday morning, I don't want to listen to a motivational speaker trying to amp myself up. I might go to like, okay, I need to listen to TD Jakes. I'm feeling a little shaky. I'm not feeling well. So these four compartments in my life have, have basically made it easier for me to know where to go. Mm -hmm. Because if one of them has more water than the other, there's an automatically an impact. You know, right. if one of the places that I like to go, I do have conversations with my mom. I have conversations, like whether it's just a coffee early in the morning, I need that family time. I need that conversation to remind me because I'm right, I'm right at the cusp. I always brag about it. I'm 35 years old. I'm like that guy that can have the conversation with the 40, 50 year olds. And those are usually my friends, but I can also have the conversations with the millennials because I'm sort of there as well. Um, and a lot of them say like, now nah, you're old. And I'm like, no, let me, let me talk to you about <laughs> these things. Um, right. So, so I, I've been blessed. I've been blessed from the time that I was in DR for until I was 11, here for the next 24 years, but also right in the between where I'm like, guy, I know what socialism, for example, looks like. I know what my grandparents went through when Dominican Republic was a communist country for 30 plus years. It's, this is very similar. Just do your homework. Um, read beyond the headline. If you want to be somebody of influence, you've got to read beyond the headline. Forget about people being mad at you, people not liking you. Read beyond the headline. Right. Be that person that explains things and has. Now, has two things. things. Two things from that. Um, one, the reason why, I'll tell you why young people listen to you. The reason why they listen to you is because 
you're an, a clear successful example. They see what you have and they want it too. So that's why you have this clout that you have. And that is exactly what we aspire to where someone says to us, how do you have all these things? And we just say, yo, Jesus, like, let me tell you about Jesus. You know what I mean? And let me tell you about how we, we were able to focus and study. So that is, that's amazing. Um, now, I want to switch gears and talk about how, talk, tell me about the socialism, because we haven't heard, nobody has heard any of that from the DR. Um, it exists, but we, it's not really talked about. So tell me about for, for example, uh, so, so I, for example, so, so my house was uh, was like a political, almost a meeting house at times. So my, my grandfather was part of the Partido Reformista. He would campaign for them. And actually the ballots, the ballots, the actual like ballots thing were delivered to my house so they can be brought to the place where people would go to vote the following morning. So I remember being eight, nine years of age, waking up early with my grandfather, bringing these things across the street um, so for, for people to then later on vote. Um, but even as far as even our healthcare system is similar to what Obamacare was. It's pretty much a government-sponsored universal healthcare system, which is not necessarily the best whatsoever, um, where it, on the surface it looks good, but it's really not. Um, but going back to my grandfather and why, even when I hear the word stimulus scares me. So this party that he was a part of, um, the president at the time was Joaquin Balaguer. And he was president for, I mean, I, at least over a decade at one point. But his party is known for every four years, literally showing up. They say La Fundita, which is like a little bag of food with rice and beans and like literally promoting himself as the servant of the people. This people is a pro, vote a pro socialist party. Okay. Exactly. So, so, so that was the common practice. Common practices. You're talking about a third world country at the time. So any party that came along and offered to give something to the people, that's how they would vote. So now me as a 30, 35 year old now, when I see the manipulation of certain beliefs or certain fears by certain groups literally used against them to influence the vote, it's no different. It's no different up until the country decided to say like, you know, access to information. So until we in Dominican Republic became more aware and decided to say, okay, we need to educate ourselves. We need to become something within our own family nucleus first and expand from there, it, it's not going to change. So for many years, the expectation was for government to serve us rather than us take charge and get control of what we wanted. Um, and that's what I saw um, growing up. Um, I saw that. I saw it in one part, my grandfather being the provider, but at the same time, support for a party that was just literally given to the people so they could just influence the vote and and people remained the same way for many years. Those that lived in poverty are still in poverty and 
you know, now Dominicans, you may hear Dominicans say, I'm going to go to the U.S. for a couple of years and then go back. Now there is a little bit more back and forth, whereas before it was all about the escape. I mean, my mother, um, and she recently shared this with me, she was given a little piece of land by this same party. She was smart enough to not stay there. She basically said, okay, I'm going to sell it and literally be immigrate to the U.S. And she came here and for five years, she was here until I came. Um, and here I am, you know what I mean? Um, she had to make that move. If not, we would still be over there expecting the same little bag filled with rice and beans and vote once again and remain in impoverished conditions. And then that's what I see today because the America that I came in 1995 to was one that empowered me to believe that I can actually do it. So I grabbed onto that really quickly and never looked back until this day. I mean, you know, my daughter recently asked me like, last week actually she asked me like, daddy, why do you love America so much? And I'm like, well, Maya, because in America, even when you're wrong, you get to defend yourself. And that was the quickest thing that I could say to her. Um, I don't know what I was thinking at that particular time, but it was like, we were on a red light across from UMass. I'm like, because in America, even when you're accused, you can defend yourself. In America, you can always make it better. Um, no matter what the obstacles are, you always have an out. And that's what this country offers um, to a lot of us. Um, it saddens me to see people with the perfect story. You know, um, in the perfect story, I call it, uh, for us minority, this. A single mother, you know, the potential not so good high school student, but you still got to go to college. You still got to become a professional. You got married. You bought a house. I was recently having a conversation with a 25-year-old who's buying a house. And I said, you know, at 25, you could be 60 years old in another country anywhere in the world and never even have the thought of buying your own house. But in America, you're 25 and you get to do that. That's why this country is the greatest country on the planet. Because buying a car, let me tell you something. One car takes care of not only just the single family house, it's literally the neighborhood's car when you're in a foreign country. People don't know that. Here, we a second, third, fourth car, and we still take it for granted. Mm. You know what I mean? So, so the, the similarities of being served by government is something that constantly scares me because I've seen it, um, didn't live it for very long, but I know friends of mine that are still living it till today that it just doesn't work. And that's where I'm at, where I'm at. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's people believe in your story until you tell them who you're voting for. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's true. So funny. <laughs> it's true. It's so true, you know. My, <laughs> I can go on and on. Sorry. You know, um, when I was growing up, my parents they came from Puerto Rico. Um, they worked hard. They they experienced the racism and the discrimination here. And the way I like to think of it is, they did that so I didn't have to. So back back then, you know, they experienced that stuff. And um, my dad still has that mindset. And he's 
he is like a he is a socialist through and through which blows my mind because I'm like don't you have a lot of property do you like it because <laughs> it's not going to be yours if America becomes a socialist it's amazing so um he they you know it's it's odd because they've always taught me where I came from and that they did come from struggle. And even though we, I mean, you probably experience every now and then someone says something stupid or ignorant or whatever, but that doesn't detain us. It doesn't hold us back. And all I saw growing up was like JLo and, you know, all of, and Jessica Alba when she was doing that angel show. Do you remember that? Or like, you know, I saw my, Selma Charlie, Hyatt. Charlie, oh yeah, Angel, yeah, yeah. Something Angel, uh, like I saw minorities making it. And so I never saw people struggling outside of the people that my parents, outside of what my parents told me. And so I, I hung on to that and I believed, I never thought that I couldn't do whatever I wanted to do. So it blows my mind when people, I, someone had interviewed me a few years ago for like a, a paper, a newspaper. And they were, I was doing consulting at the time and they were like, um, you know, how do you feel that there aren't a lot of minorities in your industry, that you're the only one? And it was like they were trying to bait me so that I could be like, oh, mm -hmm. it's such a shame, you know? And I said, I think it's awesome because I'm the, I can be the one that it pioneers it. I could be the one that people look to and say, there's a Puerto Rican consultant. I think it's great that I'm able to do that. I can do whatever I want. And they were kind of like, mm -hmm. oh, they weren't expecting that answer. They were expecting for me to have a victimized mentality. And I well, think I've that's what happened. I've gotten the calls recently. Uh, you know, so, so besides doing insurance, I, I, I invest in real estate and you expose yourself to a lot of different people. Yeah. And, 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 you know, most recently, um, you know, you, you get the call of, of almost the, the apology um, of people being guilt into feeling this guilt, which is known as white privilege. And it's like, no, 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 like, like, you know, and I've gotten the calls of like, Greg, are you sure you, you, you don't feel like, I'm like, no, man. Are you like, joking? Oh, Somebody yeah. actually called you no, to apologize? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yes, yes. And I'm like, I'm like, no, like, I am absolutely blessed. I can't. You'd be surprised what's happening out there. I'm like, nah, we're not having this conversation. Like, like, Dude, I'm, you I'm, probably I'm like, make like four times as much as they do. <laughs> this is yeah, funny. like, this is the thing. I'm just like, uh, you know, I'm blessed to be where I'm at. I'm blessed to know, like, I'm blessed to be where I'm from. I'm blessed to look the way that I look like. Like, no, no apology needed. Like, man, like, I, I love you guys, and I, I think you guys love me too. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, it never, it never stops. Um, the one key thing I think that I have on my side, uh, besides faith, is, is that family structure where um, it all started with my mother. You know what I mean? Like. You know, she would speak words of wisdom, um, and and you know, I'm a firm believer. I remember uh, a couple of years ago when uh, a previous manager that I had, he's like, "So you're telling me that you tithe?" I'm like, "Like you actually?" He didn't say tithing because he, he's an unbeliever. So he's like, "You give ten percent." I'm like, "Yeah." What is your what is your problem? Like, what do you mean? He's like, 
there's, you just don't. And I'm like, no, nah, I, I do. I, I've done it from an early age. I, I, I believe 100% in it. Um, I've been, I mean, I got some of the craziest stories that you could possibly hear where, where literally the same exact amount of money that I've paid to help somebody with something I've literally gotten in the same day. I, I'm talking about like even the description of the house that I live in. Um, some people don't believe me, um, but luckily I have witnesses um, and I'll share this briefly with you um, mm -hmm. as to why I believe in giving. I believe in, in, in just serving. Um, I believe that in my role, even as an insurance agent, I'm not selling you anything. I'm literally, I'm, I'm, I believe in sales. I, I love sales, but I believe I'm serving you. I'm providing you with answers that you didn't have before. And I remember at one point, um, we're, we're sitting down with a builder and we're designing the house that we want because we weren't thinking about living in the house that we live. And I said to the builder, I think I want a third car garage. He's like, nah, you don't need a third car garage. Or, and, and my daughter said, I want a pool. My son said, um, actually, he was the last one. My wife had said, I want a front porch, uh, because in the Caribbean, that's something that's really common. Um, mm -hmm. You know, having a front porch, you sit outside, you have long conversations, whatever. And, and then uh, towards the end, I asked my son, Lucas, and I'm like, Lucas, what do you want? And he said, you know, Daddy, I want the house to be red. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and I remember looking at this lot in Sutton. We picked the lot. We were ready to design the house. Well, that same Sunday, my daughter gets online. Um, I, she, she's nuts. Gets online, puts in, I don't know what she did. A house in Shrewsbury. We're driving by. I walk into the house when the reels are showing me. I'm like, the house has three-car garage, has a pool, has a front porch, and it actually happens to be red. I believe that you can speak into mm. existence those things that you want 100 percent um and you don't you know and i've had a conversation this type of conversation with non-believers people that i mentor and believers and some of them have implemented that into their work life into their routines and they're seeing the huge advantage of speaking into existence those things that they have within themselves and i know i'm illustrating it with something that's tangible something that's material but there are bigger and greater things uh, within us that can expose that world that we truly want to see. And that battle for our mind keeps on getting stronger because we're not speaking what we want to see. We're stopping ourselves. We're sitting back and we're waiting for somebody else to guide us, to show us. When we have that sort of control, we have, and that's why I say, when things aren't working, you still have your faith. That's the anchor to every other faith in your life. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's where my blessing comes from. You know, it's, it's knowing when to say things. It's knowing that that who is within us is a lot stronger than anything that we may face or, 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 or have in front of us, really. Um, um, I share with everybody that calls me or I even in emails when I email people on Sunday mornings, um, because it can happen. It can happen for anybody. You just have to be willing to believe um, and put your mind to it. And it will work out. And it's the fruit of your mouth. You know, that's scriptural. And God will give you the desires of your heart at the end of the day. So, I mean. 100%. You are living 100%. proof of um, 
someone being centered in the faith and having these pillars of belief systems that you have, it just reminds me, and I know I'm, I don't mean to go back to like uh, government, but it just reminds me of the history of like, you know, when the pilgrims came here, outside of what people think happened when they came here, but they had pillars of belief systems. And they said, the government, if nothing works else works in this government, they have the number one thing that they have to rely on is the faith is God. And everything else is centralized around that you're kind of like, the example of the American, you know, of America, where it, it was founded on God, and everything else became extremely prosperous around that. And that's your life. It's the only consistent, right? Right. Like that's your, your living proof of that. And um, that being removed right now from society or, you know, God being removed from that, you can see how everything, how, how easily not only the nation falls apart, but how easily people fall apart. And you are the pillar that people are looking to right now where they're saying, here's a minority, he's got success, his, what, what is that rooted in? And it's, you're kind of like a billboard for like God right now. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is my son he's done well I mean I'm not I don't want to blasphemy and pretend like I'm God but you know like <laughs> he's done well he's tied he's you know he puts the kingdom first he wants to serve um, you know I give him the desires of his heart this is how it's supposed to be and people will go to you the young the youth that's what that's what needs to happen it's it's hard for someone to convince the youth of anything else the only way the youth is going to learn is when they're inquisitive when they want to learn and so you're the living example of that when someone goes to you and says hey what are you doing am i am i doing something wrong you know what i mean like what are you doing different why do, i guess what i i studied this what you said they they take it in and they internalize it and it helps them so bro you, Thank you. I appreciate you are the shining light of Worcester <laughs> of New England right now because that it's for real. It's I necessary. Love, you know, I, I, I love Worcester. You know, I love Worcester. I love the people that I interact with daily and people that I've interacted in the past. And, and you know, uh, today's youth just has a lot of questions, but they're mm -hmm. not being encouraged to ask them. Uh, conversations right. aren't happening because the conversation starts to happen. The, these powers don't want them to happen because they know what could actually take place, which right. is good for all of us. You know, one right. of the main conversations that I have um, with, with colleagues that I, that I mentored in the past, it's, you know, you got to go to your source. I don't know what that looks like for you. My faith is incredibly important for me. But then I tell them, like, you know, when was the last time you spoke to mom? When was the last time you spoke to dad? When was the last time you spoke to that mom or dad figure? Because it's important for you to go to the source because that's where everything originated from. Like, mm. I believe in honoring your parents. I believe mm. in just these basic principles that are going to shape the rest of your life. The mm -hmm. rest of your life will be shaped by the way you think, the way you believe, and the way you treat those that have cared for you. And that, that is it. It's an easy formula. Easy formula. And you try and simplify it. Um, some do it. 
um, and they share the stories. Some struggle, but I've been blessed to have really good people around me um, in recent time where we celebrate each other, we cry with one another, um, but most importantly, most importantly, we're able to have the disagreements. Um, you know, you ever, I always tell people like, you know, when you're, if you're, if you have a child by their hand and you're teaching them to run, if you run too fast, you're actually going to scrape their knees and you're not teaching them anything. Right. You gotta, you gotta come to them because even though you may have the greatest of intentions, even though you're operating at this level, they may not understand that book that you're recommending. Mm-hmm. So you gotta ask them the question, hey, what is it that you're reading? Rather than say like, hey, you should read this. Hey, you should right. ask questions, create the conversations. Because I'll tell you what, as much as I love my mom, as much as we, we, we spend time together, there's no more disagreements than a son and mom relationship. But somehow it still works out. And what's happening today, we want to remove the disagreements. The disagreements are meant to happen. They're meant to be spoken about. They're meant to have in conversation. And then we can hug it out at the end. Right. If the conversation and disagreements are not happening, all you have is frustration. Right. That's where we're at. Gregory Sandoval, beacon of hope. Thanks. I appreciate that. That was great. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys for, thank you for listening in. We appreciate you supporting uh, the podcast. Make sure you look uh, Gregory up, get some insurance. (laughs) I mean, just get the insurance, get them, get together with them, talk real estate. (laughs) Why not? not? (laughs) But uh, I appreciate, I appreciate you, Greg. That was very insightful. That's, that'll definitely help. So, and I mean that there was parts of that where I was taking notes so I mean good reminders um, but yes you are the beacon of hope of New England right now so we appreciate thank you very you, much I appreciate the invite we'll appreciate the invite thank you um, let's have these more often maybe in groups or whatever um, looking forward to sharing because like I said I'm the guy that believe it or not gets invited to certain things and I keep it to myself because I can bring a little bit of chaos if I start speaking my mind because some of this stuff is... You're a disruptor. You're a disruptor. That's what we need. Earth shattering for some people, <laughs> but it's really just the basic. Thank you, Lissette. I really appreciate it. Thank you.